Good. Well, I'm actually going to get you guys to remain standing. I know you guys have been doing a little bit of calisthenics up and down and all that kind of stuff. But what I want to do is I want to, I'm going to read um, a, a portion of, of God's word over us. And I would love for us to just kind of stand in the authority of God's word as I read it for us. This is 1 John 1, starting at verse 5. It says, This, in essence, is the message we heard from Christ and are passing on to you. God is light, pure light. There's not a trace of darkness in him. If we claim that we experience a shared life with him and continue to stumble around in the dark, we're obviously lying through our teeth. We're not living what we claim. But if we walk in the light, God himself being that light, we also experience a shared life with one another as the sacrifice blood of Jesus, God's son, purges all of our sin. If we claim that we're free of sin, we're only fooling ourselves. A claim like that is errant nonsense. On the other hand, if we admit our sins, make a clean breast of them, he won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us of all of our wrongdoing. If we claim that we've never sinned, we're out and out contradicting God, and we're making a liar out of him. A claim like that only shows off our ignorance to God. Happy New Year. Why don't you guys take a seat as I pray for us. Jesus, we thank you so much for, I, I think, a, a, a fairly significant word that you have for us tonight. And Jesus, I just ask that you would do something incredible in us, that we would open our, our ears, that we would open our hearts to receive your word, God, that we would have an open mind to what it is that you want to speak into us as individuals tonight and us as a community of believers, of people who love Jesus. And it's in the name of Jesus we all greet and said, amen, amen. Well, happy new year. It's, it's good to be back, right? Yeah, it seems like it's been like two weeks since we've seen you. Oh, wait, it has. Um, so we hope that you guys are like five pounds heavier, uh, that you've had some good time with, um, you know, with uh, your family and with your friends, and that you've just had a great time to celebrate. Uh, we're in a new series. Typically, after in the new year, what we like to do is we like to open God's word and kind of exegete, look at some of what God has in store for us through his word. We like to do a little bit of a book study. And so if you have your Bible, I would love for you to open it to 1 John. It's like the fourth from the last book of the Bible. It's at the very, very end, 1 John. So we're in this series called Letters from the Presbyter. So I'm sure you're all wondering, what letters are we talking about and what the heck is a presbyter? Um, so what we're going to be doing is we're actually going to be looking at some letters that the disciple John wrote to some churches that were in under his leadership. And we're talking about the disciple John. Okay, This is not to be confused with John the Baptist. This is the disciple John. This is actually the youngest of the 12 disciples that followed Christ. And not only that, but he was the oldest to live. Like he, he lived the longest out of all 12 disciples. And so because he lived the longest, uh, the Catholic Church uh, liked to call him John the Presbyter. And the Presbyter is just a fancy word that means elder. Okay, Because he lived so long, he was an elder of the church. And he was a big part uh, of the, the church that was growing in places like Asia. 
And so they call him John the Presbyter or John the Elder. We know him as John the Disciple. He was the son of Zebedee, brother to James, uh, son of Salome. Um, He was the guy that Jesus loved, right? Like he was the guy who got ousted as the guy that Jesus loved the most. This is the John that we're talking about. And so around 68 AD, we're going to get a brief history lesson. Uh, The church is going through some times. They're having some struggles. There's this great wave of persecution that has come over the church. And around around this time, a lot of the disciples kind of flee Rome, and they go to different places to kind of start ministries. And John was one of those who fled to a place called Asia Minor. And we know that as modern-day Turkey. So he he fled to this place to start a very successful ministry there of some house churches. And it's in this time where he's living there that he writes the Gospel of John. Like John 3.16, he wrote that uh, through the inspiration of the Spirit, of course. But he's the guy who wrote that. And so let's fast forward 20 or so years. John has established himself some churches in Asia Minor. And all of a sudden, there is this branch of Christians who break off from the church. And they kind of start their own thing. They make these kind of heretical claims that Jesus wasn't actually God, that Jesus, he he wasn't actually God incarnate, that Jesus was not God himself here on earth. And so what John does is he writes these group of letters to these churches to remind them about who God is, how much he loves them, to, to kind of refute these heretical claims that are kind of making their way into the church. And so uh, in 1 John, uh, this book is, is a, basically a poetic sermon about God's love, reminding of them about how much Jesus loves them and because of his sacrifice. The book of 2 John is written to this house church um, about how to be challenged and how to challenge false teachers, like these, these Gnostics, these people who believe that Jesus wasn't God. So 2 John is, is a letter about how to refute false teachers. And 3 John is this letter written to a specific local pastor about welcoming missionaries, about welcoming people into your home, into your church, and talking about community. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at these three letters. And today, we're going to be in 1 John. And more than ever, I think that these letters are so significant for us as a church So significant. These are not just letters that were written to house churches 2,000 years ago. These are significant pieces of God's word that is for us today. Because more than ever, we need to know God's love, and we need to know others need to know God's love. Amen? If you don't agree, you're in the wrong place. Okay? More than ever, we need to know the significance of Christ's love for us. More than ever, with all of the voices surrounding us and the church and all the voices refuting what we believe, more than ever, we need to hold strong to the word of God to refute the claims that say that Jesus is not God and that Jesus is not Savior. Amen? Goodness, you guys need this word today. 2019, let's go. John 3 is this letter uh, talking about missionaries and and community. Like, more than ever, we as a church need community. And we stink at this sometimes. Okay, that's coming from a staff. Like, sometimes we're just not great at this. 
And more than ever, we need each other. We need community. So let's open uh, to John, 1 John. I'm going to be jumping all around. Poor Candace has to try to follow me with the scriptures today. Uh, we're going to pray special healing over her later. Um, but we're going to be 1 John chapters 1, 2, and 4. It's going to be all over the place, but it's going to be good. It is well documented here at this church, uh, if you've been here for a while, that I am terrified of snakes. Like, I hate, I hate snakes. In particular, rattlesnakes. Like, I just, I can't. I get shivers up my spine even just talking to them, about them. Um, a few years ago, uh, yes, not to them. I don't talk to snakes. This seems like another biblical story that we're not going to tackle this morning. Yeah. Um, so a few years ago, about 15 years ago, a little less than 15 years ago, um, I was afforded the opportunity to go uh, play with my band at a youth conference in Houston, Texas. Um, and we were actually in a place called the Woodlands, which is like the nice part of Houston, Texas. And so they flew us down, and we played this uh, youth conference, and it was incredible, and every corner had uh, like pawn shops with guns everywhere, just guns, guns, guns. Um, and uh, Texas was a fantastic place. We loved the Woodlands. Um, and at the very end of this conference, uh, they asked the band, they asked us to come out and take a group picture with the whole conference, which is like hundreds and hundreds of kids. And so what they do is they take us out to the back parking lot of the church where the staff parked. And it was a very small parking lot. And then behind that was basically a field of kind of like dead bushes and dead branches and all this kind of stuff. So they kind of, there's a guy on top of the church with a camera, and he's telling everyone to try to, he's yelling at us, like, everyone kind of push in, push in, and push in. So we're kind of begin to squeeze into each other, and so I'm standing like this, and I've got some of my buddies beside me. And all of a sudden, I hear this sound. Of, it's like a baby's rattle. And it seems like it's just kind of behind me, just beyond, just like this. And I'm standing here like this, and my eyes get a little wide. And then I hear it again, and I grab my friend Jeff's hand. I grab his hand and I said, Jeff, do you, do you hear that? And he's like, what, what, what do you mean? Like that rattling sound? I'm like, yes, yes, that sound. Do you hear? Do you hear it? Do you have a change of underwear? What is that sound? What is happening? And, and there's this kind of this brief moment of silence. And I'm just terrified. And I'm just, my face went white as a ghost. And all of a sudden, all the people around me started to hysterically laugh. And I thought, there is nothing funny about snakes. They will eat us. <laughs> and I turn around, and everyone's laughing at my drummer, who has a percussive shaker in his hand, going like this. I don't know why you're laughing. I was, I was like a three-year-old crying. I just wanted to get home to my wife, and it was a terrible, terrible time. But we all have fears, right? Like, anybody here afraid of the dark? Don't be shy. Raise your hand. We got a few people kind of afraid that I have. I have four kids in my house now, and I won't say which one, but one of them is a little bit afraid of the dark. They, they, can't, they can't go to bed without their lava lamp on and their Ikea lamp and a CD playing in the CD player. If someone is occupying the bathroom upstairs, he will hold it for a week if he doesn't have to go to the downstairs bathroom by himself at night right? Darkness? Anyone afraid of darkness like that? And so I, I think that we, I, I can't blame this child. Uh, I can't blame those of you who may be afraid of the dark because we live in a very dark world. We, we live in a very, very scary place, I would say. And I think I would say that some of us, 
Some of us have this worldview, especially if, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus. You have this worldview that, that everything around you is bright and good and happy-go-lucky. And it's your job as a Christian to point out the bad things in this world. Some of us have this worldview that everything is good, but it's our job to point out and to single out what is, what is sinful and what is wrong and what is, what is bad and what is dark and what offends us. We love to point the finger at these things. But I think that's, I think that's wrong. I think it's the other way around. I think that we live in a time that is so dark. We live in a world that is, that is dark and it is scary. And it is our job as Christians to shed a little bit of light on that stuff. I think we need to shift our thinking about what our job is. We, we love to point the finger and say, that's not what I believe. That is not right. That is not what God says. That is not what the Bible says. And so we love to point the finger at what is wrong in our world. But it's the other way around. We live in a dark world. And Jesus is asking us to shed a little bit of light on some things. The light of Jesus. It's hard. This is what 1 John 2 says. It says this old commandment, to love one another, is the same message you heard before, yet it is also new because Jesus lived the truth of this commandment and you are also living in. And check this out. For the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. So as John is saying that we live in a dark world, but Jesus makes it brighter. Okay, the darkness is already established because of Adam and Eve, because of that conversation with the snake, because of that thing that happened, because of the fall of man, we live in a dark world. And it's sad and it's hard. John even says this in his gospel in the first chapter, the first few lines of the first chapter. He says, in him was life. He's talking about Jesus. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. Darkness that was already established and the darkness has not overcome it. But here's the thing, John is saying, yes, that the darkness has not overcome it, but what he's not saying is that light has entirely overcome darkness. He's saying Jesus is here to shed some light on it, but he ha- it's, it's not entirely overtaking darkness, because that's where we come in, slowly but surely, through us, Jesus is overcoming darkness. Let me show you what I mean. This is what I mean. This is our world. Like, we're surrounded by sin and evil and mistakes and shame and unfiltered opinions and subtweets and Facebook black holes and malice and greed. This is a scary place. It's sad and it's bleak. This is how John explains it in 1 John 2. He says, for the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. So you can't completely hide light and darkness. I mean, we have screens right now that are kind of illuminating things. We have a little bit of light pouring through the windowsill. We have like flashing lights from pedals and, and, and lights and stuff on stage. Like you cannot completely hide darkness. It's not possible. Darkness is well-established in our world, and it's our job to shine a little light over it. It's our job. 
So we shed some light on it. Now, initially, I get it. If you look directly into the light after being in the darkness for a while, like, it's initially jarring. Like, you kind of have to shield yourself for a moment. But that's what Jesus does. His love for us is quite jarring. It, because it's, it's something that we've never experienced before in our life. The, the love of Jesus is something that we've never quite encountered before when we first encounter it. So it's jarring. That's what light in darkness does. That's what it says in 1 John 1, 7. But if we are living in the light, that is when we walk where the light is shining, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So when we walk in the light, we, like we typically use a flashlight to illuminate our steps, right? Like when the lights go out, the power goes out, what we do with the flashlight is illuminate our steps. And so we hold it in front of us to make sure that we don't trip on anything, and we walk into light. That's what a flashlight is for. We walk into light. And it's the same way with Jesus. As his light shines, we walk in it. We walk in the light of Christ, and it directs our path. It directs our steps. We begin to understand where God is taking us. We begin to understand what God is doing. And here's the other thing with light. The further I hold this back from you guys, the more of you I can see. Like the higher I hold this, the wider the light goes. The further I have it from you, the wider the light goes. And that's, like, that's how some of us shine our light, is that we just hold it so it's wide, so it's far, so that we can see a little bit of you. Here's the thing. It's not very bright. Like, I can't see faces in the back row. I know there are people. I know there are silhouettes because I can see them where the light is. It's not very bright if you're far away, but at least I can see a little bit. But here's the other thing. The closer I get with light, the smaller the beam becomes, the narrower the field. Poor Aaron, his eyes are just... The closer I get to Aaron, the darker you all become, and the brighter he becomes. This is discipleship, okay? When you hold your light far like this, this is community. This is us doing life together. I can see a lot of you, but my light isn't very bright. But if I go up close to somebody and shine it on them, that's discipleship. This is, this is me shining the light on an individual, and here's the other part of it, is that some of us, some of us are shining our light like this. This is very dim. This is very narrow. It doesn't go very far. And no matter how we're shining our light, we need to get better at being a light in our world because we live in a terrible, scary place. So whether you shine your light far or narrow, or even just a little bit like this, we need to get to a place where we get better at loving others and ourselves and Jesus and shining a little bit more light in this world. And so I want to talk for a few minutes. You can put the lights back up, Candace. I want to talk for a few minutes about how we do that. Like, how do we get to this place? Are any of you sleeping? Right? Any of you? I saw a few heads go up. Oh, he's, he's preaching again. I want to get, get us to a place where we understand that we can do better at this. And so I want to talk through a few things from 1 John, a few ways 
for us to step into what God has for us, to step into his light, to follow that so that we can shine it brighter and further and farther and wider on one another in our communities and people. The first thing is this. We need to love ourselves. Like, we need to love ourselves. And I know that seems like a very odd one to start with because uh, in church we talk a lot about loving others, but we really need to love ourselves. This is what it says in 1 John 1, 5 and 7. It says, This is the message that we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we're lying if we say that we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing that truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we will have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Look, we need to have the confidence of Christ in our lives. Like if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, if you believe in his life and his ministry and his death and his resurrection, that is something to be confident in. That is something to hold strong to. That is a faith that is worth believing, and we need to live like it. We need to act it out. You have full authority and permission to live in the resurrected power of Jesus. You have that. You have that right and that authority to live in resurrected power. Love yourself and what God is doing in you, what he has done in you, what he wants to do in you. Live in resurrection power. And he's given you gifts. If you've accepted Christ, he wants to give you, through the power of his spirit, uh, supernatural gifts. And he wants you to use them. He wants you to love those giftings and use them for kingdom purposes. Love yourself and love what God is doing in and around you. That's the first thing. The second thing is, seems pretty simple and pretty obvious. We need to love ourselves, but we also need to love one another. And John does not hold back on this at all. This is 1 John 2, starting at verse 7. Dear friends, I'm not writing anything new. I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it's an old one that you've heard from the very beginning. This old commandment, to love one another, is the same message that you heard before, yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you are also living it, for the darkness is disappearing And the true light is already shining. John's not telling us anything we don't already know. Even if you didn't grow up in church, and even if you grew up not even knowing who Jesus is, someone along the way probably told you to love other people, to be respectful, to be compassionate, to be kind to people. So that's nothing new for us. Yet, we see a picture of Jesus throughout his ministry, and he provided us with this radical new way to love people. So not is it just a new thing, but it's an old thing that we've, we've known about forever. I mean, this is in the first few books of the Bible, Leviticus 19, Deuteronomy 19. These are things that we have known forever about loving other people. But then we have Jesus who exemplifies this radical new way to love people. So it says in 1 John 2, 9 to 11, If anyone claims I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. 
But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. Jesus doesn't shed some light on some things. He he sheds light on all things. When we walk in that light, we begin to carry that for him and shed light on loving others. The church will never break chains. The church will never do what it has been asked to do if we don't love one another. I'm just talking to people like in these four walls. If we don't love one another, we are failing. If we don't treat one another with kindness and love and respect, we will never be able to learn to do it right out there. And so we need to love one another. And this concept continues in 1 John 4, starting at verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Love is not just a fancy characteristic of who God is. God is love. It's it's his essence. It's part of who he is. It's not just a characteristic. He is love. And if you know God, then you know love and you know how to show it. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us that much, that he would give his son for us, we surely ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives us in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Let me read that again. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. I get this is hard sometimes because we screw up, we make mistakes, we say and do dumb things to one another. I get that. But we need to get into the practice of confessing to one another. We need to get into the practice of confessing one to another what we've done, our sin, our wrongdoing. We need to learn to apologize to one another when we do and say dumb things. That's hard. I get it. I get it. We need to have conversations with one another when we are offended or when we offend people. Like, I've done that. I've probably done it on stage here tonight somehow. We need to get into this habit of having these conversations with one another. This is how we love one another. Sometimes love gets messy. Sometimes grace gets messy. Sometimes it gets hard and it gets sticky. But this is the truth and the foundation of the Bible, to love one another. Because I don't want anybody here living in darkness. I want them to walk in the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. So the first thing is we love ourselves. The second thing is that we love one another. The third thing is that we love God. This is 1 John 4, starting at verse 16. We know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And here it is. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. The more you walk in the light of Jesus, the more your love improves. 
the more you love God, the more that you cherish that relationship with him, the more you step into his light, the more that your love grows for yourself and for others. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid of that day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Live like Jesus. Walk into his light. Such love has no fear because perfect expels, perfect love expels all fear. The more we love Jesus, the more we love others. And Jesus even answered this question himself in Mark 12. It says, a teacher of religious law asked Jesus, of all the Ten Commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only God, and you must Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Love the Lord your God. Love others like you love yourself. These are really three really simple practices for us. If you want to be a person who shines a little bit more light of Jesus in this world, those three things are really easy to accomplish and easy to remember. Love yourself, love others, and love God. We fulfill kingdom purpose when we do these things. We fulfill all that God has called us to do when we love others. 29, I don't know what 2018 brought for you. I have no idea. But 2019, why don't we promise ourselves that we are going to mark it with the love of Jesus, that we are going to walk into the light that he has already been shining for years and years and years. Let's walk into that light. Let's get closer in our walks with Jesus so that our light becomes wider and brighter and reaches farther and farther. Let's do this together as a community Yet let's hold our light closely up to one another and people and do discipleship. Let's do this thing together. And so here's what I want to do. I want to, I know these altars seem like scary things for some people, and I don't understand why. All they are is just wood and a piece of metal and a pad that you can sit on. But what I would love for us to do in these next few moments is I want us to mark our 2019 with these things, with these principles, what John is teaching us in his word. I want us to mark our 2019 by just jumping right in, head first, into the path that Jesus has lit for us so that we may do the same in other people's lives. And so uh, if, if you need to maybe confess something, uh, we, we're going to open these altars for you to do just that. Maybe you need to apologize to somebody. You need to grab their hand and bring them with you to the altar. Maybe you just want to make your seat your altar. Make, maybe you want to make your knees in the ground your altar in these next few moments. Maybe, maybe we just need to have conversations with people. Maybe we just need to say, you know what, enough is enough. I need to begin to fully and physically express my love and my thankfulness for Jesus. And I need to raise my hands and I need to raise my voice. And I don't care if you don't know the lyrics to the song. And I don't care if you can't carry a, a, you know, a song in a bucket. You can't carry a tune. I don't care. He doesn't either. But let's mark our 2019 going forward, walking into his light and being grateful and thankful for the loving God that he is so that we can do better for ourselves, that we can do better for others. Somebody amen me, goodness gracious.
But I would love for us to take advantage of this moment. I, I hope that you just don't come here and throw some money in a bucket and to, to listen to a band play and hear some guy talk for 30 minutes. That is not what this is about. This is time for us to be a community and to love Jesus the same way that he has loved us. So let's take advantage of it. So the altars are going to be open, and maybe you just want to do, you know, have a conversation with God in your seat. I don't know. And it's just as the band begins to play, I want to read something for us. Uh, we've made it a, a habit in the last uh, year or two to pray for you guys, to pray for each service out there in the fellowship hall before things begin. And a few years ago, um, Emily Ingram, I don't know if she's up here or not, uh, she was praying. And what she was praying for was she was praying to love like capital love and she was giving God the characteristic of love and was calling him love and said look people may never ever experience or see God the way they want but we like we exemplify that in people we are Jesus to people we are the light of Christ we are dependent upon in these days in these very dark scary bleak days to be the light of Christ in people. And some of us are so just terrified to even have conversations about Jesus. Some of us are terrified to to sing to a God who has saved us from our own sin and failure. Some of us are afraid to worship a God who, who has given us all the resurrection power we need to live a kingdom purpose filled life. And so in this prayer, Emily ended it by saying, until the day that we see love himself, we are it. Like, it's on us. And if we can't love ourselves and we can't love God the way that we should, how are we ever going to love other people outside these four walls and not just stick to our own little pockets of people? We are it. So I want to read this passage of scripture from 1 John 4 that this song was inspired by. It says, And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in that love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more and more perfect. So we will not be afraid of the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear we are afraid it is for fear of punishment and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love we love one another because he first loved us